And let me tell you what we're going to do in this series. We're going to talk about four different cultural belief systems that people have for years attributed to God. But the reality is that God never said these things. For example, next week is going to be a very important week. We're going to talk about what so many people believe is actually in the Bible, but is not, right? How many of you have ever heard this statement before? God will never give you more than you can handle. Guess what? The Bible doesn't say that. Week number three, we're going to talk about a very dangerous cultural lie that many people believe. That is, it doesn't matter what you believe or or what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. Week number four may be one of the most important of all the four weeks. That is, we're going to talk about people believe it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. The Bible doesn't say that either. Today we're going to talk about one of the most popular misbeliefs in American or Western Christianity. That is that God wants you happy. That above all things, God wants you to be happy. And I would love with all my heart to be able to tell you that God wants you to be happy above all else. That God wants you to enjoy life. Above all else, God wants only good things to happen in your life. And God never wants anything bad to happen in your life. Because for you, the bottom line is God wants you to be happy, right? In fact, I could even take a scripture this morning to try to convince you that this is true. Psalm 97, verse 12. Psalm 97, verse 12. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, their 1996 uh, uh, version. It says, and I just want you to focus on the first part. Just focus on the first part. Ignore everything else. Just focus on what's underlined. May all who are godly be happy. What? Be happy. This is one of the biggest cultural mistakes in what people believe about God. They believe that above all else, God wants you happy. And if you believe that, then it starts you down the road to other misbeliefs. Let me show you this morning what I call the theology of happiness. That if you believe that God's supreme goal for you is your happiness, here's what you'll eventually start to do. And number one, if you're taking notes, you believe that if God wants you happy above all else, then whatever makes you happy must be right. And whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. There's a singer, her name is Cheryl Crow. She even sang about it when she said, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. See, if we believe that God wants us happy above all else, then number one, whatever makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Number two, we start to believe that discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, inconveniences, and obstacles can't possibly be God's will. In other words, if something isn't going right, then this must not be God at work in my life. Number three, without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. If I believe that above all else, God wants me to be happy, then one day I will worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. So here's the problem. When we believe that above all else, God wants us happy, suddenly we're forced to believe that God exists to serve us. 
We need to understand this. God does not exist to serve us. We exist to serve God. If God is there to make you happy, then suddenly we reduce the great creator, the sustainer of the universe, the holy one down to a cosmic Coke machine. Basically, if I put my money in the machine and I press the button, I've done my part. Contractually, the machine needs to give me exactly what I've asked it for. Literally, without knowing it, this is what we do. We reduce God to some kind of formula. God, I said my prayers. God, I went to church. God, I tried to do good things. I tried not to do bad things. I even gave a little money this morning. I helped a little old lady cross the street. I've done all these good things, God. Therefore, Lord, my headaches should go away. If you're single, you would say, therefore, the the lady should go out with me. Or therefore... I should get the job that I want or I should get the dream house that I've desired because I put the money in, I press the button and therefore God, you should do whatever I want you to do. And here's the tragedy of this misbelief. Some people end up walking away from God for totally, completely wrong reasons because of wrong beliefs. They'll say things like this. I tried church. It didn't make me any happier. I tried religion. It didn't work. I tried the God thing. I read the Bible for a little while and I still have cancer. My kids are still in rebellion. I'm not better off financially. I tried religion and it didn't work. See, if you believe that God exists to make you happy, then you're not happy. It forces you to believe that when you're not happy that God failed. But here's the deal. God doesn't fail. We just started out with the wrong presupposition, which led you into a very dangerous place. And I'll tell you right now, after depressing the whole world and saying, hey, God doesn't want to make you happy. I do believe that God delights in your happiness. That when you're happy, I believe that it brings him joy, just as any parent is delighted when a child has joy. So, for example, right? If my kid's a soccer player and he scores the winning gold and he's happy, then I'm going to be happy for him because I'm happy that he's happy. But his happiness is not my highest priority. So I'll give you an example. If my son kicks the winning goal and he's happy and he's excited that he did it, but then he goes by and he flips off the opposing team, suddenly his happiness is not my highest priority. Does, does that make sense for you this morning? Right? Yet many of us treat God like, hey, he should be happy for us no matter what. And we literally flip the world off by the way we live. That's why I'm going to argue with all my heart that God does not want you to pursue happiness. God wants us to pursue him. God does not want us to pursue happiness. God wants us to pursue him. We don't pursue him either for the byproduct of happiness. We're not pursuing him. So he'll give us whatever we want. We're pursuing him for who he is and for that alone. And today what I want to do is I want to dispel one of the biggest and most dangerous cultural myths about God. And I want to show you two specific reasons that God does not want you or that God's highest priority is not to make you happy. Number one, if you're taking notes, this is important. God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to do something stupid 
or sinful or wrong or unwise. I'll give you an example. So many people do something that they believe is going to make them happy. We're going to go enjoy this. We're going to be happy. We're going to party all night long. Yet it's wrong and it's unwise. People say, this is going to be fun. This is going to make me happy. And it may be fun for a little while. But there's this little verse in the Bible that I like. It says, there's a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to death. Here's the fundamental problem that so many people believe. Scripture says this. Scripture teaches us to be holy. But ne- many people translate it this way. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what it says, but I'm going to tell you what people think it says, right? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. But just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all that you do. Is that what it says? Is, is, that, is that what it says, church? The Bible teaches us that just as God who called you is holy, we're to be holy and set apart in all that we do. Yet when we believe that above all else, God wants us to be happy, then we end up doing things that are wrong or unwise or sinful in the pursuit of happiness. So many of us, when we wrongly believe that above all else, God wants us happy, then that belief system empowers us to do what is actually wrong and to begin to justify it in our minds. And it happens all the time. God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. For example, and and I could make a list that could drag on for centuries. I'll show you how this plays out in our life. You decide you want to eat cake. Notice I didn't say a piece of cake, but I said you wanted to eat the whole cake. It'd make you happy to have the whole cake, but that would be wrong or unwise. Yet we do it sometimes because it makes us happy. You hate your job. You can't stand your job. You've got three kids, maybe all under the age of five like I do. And you really need a job. But it would make you so happy to go into the boss's office and tell the boss off and say, I just can't take this job anymore. And that'd make you so happy. And people actually do this all the time. They quit their job before they have another job because their job makes them unhappy. And then they go and justify it by saying something stupid because it makes me happy. That's why I did it. The list goes on and on. My spouse isn't meeting my needs. I've got needs. I'm just going to look at this stuff. I know some people think it's wrong, but I'm not. I'm just not happy. So I'm doing this to make me happier, to meet my needs. Let me share this with you. Premarital sex. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, I hope you understand that the gift of lovemaking is a gift from God meant for the covenant of marriage. Yet even though so many Christians that I know say, I don't care. It feels good. I'm a man and I've got my needs. Let me tell you what I hear in my head. I'm a dog. I can't control myself and we're in love. We're so in love that after all, we're married in our hearts, right? This makes our bodies happy. And it's all about making our bodies happy, isn't it? Am I right, church? We, we justify doing the wrong things because this makes me 
happy. And if you're not a Christian, you can make fun of me all day long because if I weren't a Christian, I'd make fun of what I'm saying as well. If you're a follower of Jesus, though, you have to understand that we have a higher standard. We have a higher standard than the world, than those who do not know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. The second time that God doesn't want you to be happy is when it's only based on the things of this world. He doesn't want you happy when it's only based on the things of this world. If you watch secular advertising, it's stunning what you need to be happy. In one late night sitting of of TV, I learned that there are three things that I need to be happy. I need a blanket with holes in it called a Snuggie. I need miracle lotion to make me look like I'm 22 again. And I need a shake weight. And I don't even want to do the movement because that's terrible. So here's the formula that culture tells us is true. And if you look at your notes, here's the formula that the culture tells us is true. Better possessions, newer, faster, shinier, bigger, whatever, plus peaceful circumstances, the absence of all conflict, plus thrilling experiences, the perfect vacation, the fun experience, the big hit, the big thrill, plus the right relationship. And if you're not right, I'll trade you in for someone different, newer, younger, more perfect in appearance. Tuck it, lift it, puff it, nip it, smooth it, shave it, whatever. If you have all these things, better possessions, peaceful circumstances, thrilling experiences, the right relationship, the perfect appearance, that equals what? Happiness. If you have all of that, that's what the world says that you need to be happy. The problem is, is that all of these things are based on happenings and happenings change. That's why no one is really happy all the time in the things of this world because the things of this world are simply counterfeits. They're not the real thing. And this is exactly what the world does. And if you get this, if you buy this, if you have this, if you trade this in, if you get the, this, then you're going to be happy. But the problem is, is that after you get it, you're not happy. Because God doesn't want you to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. In fact, I love what the gospel of John says. And he's so direct in this. First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. If we could put that up on the screen. First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. It says this. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Let me just pause for a moment. Because if this doesn't convict you, my goodness. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, the verse continues on, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, it passes away. They're gone, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So God doesn't want you above all else to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise or sinful. God doesn't want you to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. And above all else, God's highest calling for your life is not your happiness. Because I'm going to argue with all my heart that God does not want you happy as much as God wants you blessed. 
God has something far better for you than happiness. He wants you blessed. Happiness is based on happenings. It's based on culture. The blessed life is based on his goodness and on his presence. In fact, the Greek word that's translated as the word blessed is the word makarios. It literally means supremely blessed or it can literally mean more than happy. More than happy? God wants you more than happy? The problem here is, if I tell you God wants you blessed, most people think that that means more money, perfect health, and so on. But that's not what the blessed life is. God wants you blessed. It doesn't mean that you won't have a bad day. It doesn't mean that your kids won't fight. It doesn't mean that your car won't break down. It doesn't mean you won't get a zit before prom, young people. These things happen. What it means is you will experience the goodness of God in the middle of some of the difficulties of life. Your happiness and your and the blessings are not based on the perfect pain-free life. That's what we want. The perfect pain-free life. But God never promised that. Jesus, in fact, said this, in this world, you will have trouble. But you want to see God's promise? But he says, but take heart. I've overcome the world. The problem is that we're looking for the pain-free, perfect life. And if we don't have it, then we start to blame God when the reality is God wants to be active in our pain-filled life. Because we live in a sinful and a broken world just because you're blessed doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel weak sometimes. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be storms in your life. In fact, in the middle of the storm, you could have a blessing. What is that blessing? The supernatural peace of God that goes beyond your human ability to even understand or comprehend? That peace that will guard your heart and your mind and your soul in Christ Jesus. Some of you, even today, you're in the middle of a storm. And in a moment, the peace of God can move in your hearts and suddenly you recognize, I trust him even though I'm in the middle of the storm. You can be in the middle of a trial. You never choose what you're going through. So many things that I have gone through in my life that has molded my character are things that I would never choose to go to. And if you ask me on this end of things, if I would ever choose to repeat those things, I would tell you, no. No way, no how. But in those seasons, an unspeakable joy can well up within you. And people can ask you, how is it that you're, you're making through it through? And you can say, well, it, it, this only comes from God. See, those who are mature in Christ recognize that you can actually rejoice in your sufferings and in your trials because you know that you're developing a perseverance in you. And the perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete in Christ, not lacking in anything. You've been through enough trials that you recognize I never choose them again. But I am who I am today because God conformed me to the image of Christ through my suffering. When I walked through this, I began to know him more intimately. When I walked through the trial, I began to know him more faithfully. I began to experience his goodness in a, in a new way. I found his goodness in a day that I would have never chosen. In a circumstance that I'd never go through again. 
That goodness, it's the blessing of God. In fact, Psalm 37, verse 4, if we could put that on the screen. David said this. He said that we are to delight. Delight in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. I love that word delight. It comes from a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is enog. And Hebrew words are like story words. They have a whole story packed into the meaning. There's depth. There's texture to it. It's a little bit different than English words. This word, it means to delight. It means to enjoy. It means, it carries with it the idea of making something soft and moldable. In other words, we seek God. And as we enjoy God and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added to us. And as we pursue God and he is the object of our affection. And as we're not pursuing happiness, but we're pursuing God, suddenly we enjoy his presence. We're delighting in him. Then he gives us not everything I want humanly. He gives me the desires of my heart. Whatever he does, he gives us his desires. Our desires become his desires. Then when we pray according to his will, he gives us what we pray for because we're actually praying specifically for his will. That's the thing. You cannot be and delight and be in the presence of God without God changing your desire, your character, and who you are. So people take this verse and they take it out of context and they say, well, God, give me the desires of my heart. Yeah, but you're not delighting yourself in the Lord. So how can God give you the desires in your heart? You're not in the presence of God constantly and consistently to even delight yourself in the presence of the Lord. To delight yourself in something means a constant envelopment in the presence of that thing. And so you cannot say God will give you the desires of your heart if you're not in the presence suddenly you begin to enjoy god you're soft you're pliable you're moldable you're being conformed into the image of christ and he's giving you his desires now you're not praying your will but you're praying his will and suddenly you're living a very blessed life the blessed life not the perfect life not the pain-free life but something that is far better than happiness. It's joy unspeakable. It's peace. It's his supernatural strength when I'm completely weak. It is a supernatural life. It is his super meeting our natural. Suddenly his power and his presence begins to carry us. I'll explain it like this and then we'll close out this morning. Max Lucado shares this story and I'm going to make it my own this morning, okay? He said this, he says, if you take a fish out of water and you put it on the sand of a beach, would the fish be happy? Yes or no? I need all of you. All right, thank you. I'm, work with me. Take the fish down to the water, put, take a fish out of water, put the fish on the beach. Is the fish happy? Yes or no? no. Why? There's no water. The fish is going to strive to breathe let's say we give that fish a big wad of cash of a hundred thousand dollars do you think the fish is happy yes or no what if we gave the fish a lounge chair a corona beer and a playfish magazine is the fish happy now yes or no some of you are hesitating on that you're not sure the fish isn't happy 
Why? Because the fish was not created for the sand. The fish was created for the ocean. If you have everything this world has to offer, will you be ultimately and lastingly happy? The answer is no. Why? Because you weren't created for this earth. You were created for heaven. You were created for eternity. The earth is but a moment. You are here for just a little while and then you're gone. You were created to glorify the God of the universe. He is not here to serve us. We are here to serve him. Therefore, lower your expectations of earth. No new car, no new house, no new job, no new person is ever going to satisfy the cravings of your heart because in Inside your heart, you have a Christ-shaped void. And some of you, you may know it. You've tried everything out there that you can. You've partied your brains out. You've consumed everything that you could. You've rearranged your body. You've traded in your girlfriend or boyfriend for others. You could get this job and live in this city or that city and nothing else will ever fulfill you because we were not created to be satisfied for this world. It's all a counterfeit. There's something so much more to this life, and that's a life solely submitted to God. I belong to you. Lead me, guide me, take me. My gifts are yours. My heart's yours. My passion's yours. My life is yours. Help me to walk by faith and not by sight. Give me the words to say to make a difference today. My hands are your hands. Use them. My feet are your feet. Use them. My mouth is your mouth. Give me words of blessing to speak into this world. Suddenly, you're delighting yourself in the Lord. And if you give him the desires of your heart, your desires meaning his desires, and you're praying, And you're living a very blessed life. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean it's pain-free. But it's blessed by the presence of God. I started out today by saying, God wants you happy. I even used scripture to support that. But what I did intentionally is is I only gave you, how do you focus on on part of the verse. What I want to give you is the whole verse today. Because that is going to help us bring the message together. Can we put Psalm? 97, 12 up again. May all who are godly be happy. Be happy how? In the Lord. What do you do? You praise his holy name. Happiness is never going to be found in the happenings of the earth. Happiness is only found in the Lord. It's deeper than happiness. It's blessings. It's joy unspeakable. It's peace. It's his power. It's his presence. It's an eternal calling. Therefore, lower your expectations of earth. You're not created for the earth. You're created for heaven. And above all else, God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something sinful or unwise. God doesn't want you to be happy when it's only based on the things of this world. God has something far better for you. God wants you blessed. God wants you blessed. God wants you more than happy. He wants you to tap into his goodness that no matter what and in everything and in every trial and in every storm and in every suffering that you would understand that God is working together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I want to pray for you, church. Because I know that this could be tough to hear. God doesn't want me happy. No. It's not God's ultimate desire. It's a false belief of this world. The Bible doesn't say that. Would you join me in prayer today? 
In fact, let's rise up. We'll worship the Lord together and then we'll pray. I want you to give a, a chance to this message to sink into your soul.